0: of your Bibles, we're going to go to Psalm uh, chapter 16, verse 11. Man, she's fast. I don't know if they're on the screen before we've done I've got a bit of a cough, so please forgive me if I lose it. Um, we're going to continue on our study on worship. This one's a bit long, so we're splitting it in two parts this week instead of... Going forever, like last week. So you're welcome. Psalm <laughs> so, chapter 16, verse 11 um, says, "That will show me the that will show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore." Fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore sounds pretty good to me. So uh, we're gonna talk next a little bit and then tonight about the presence of God that's the whole reason why we worship to enter into his presence so that's that's the main focus so let's just uh, pray pray together one more time hallelujah God I worship you Jesus God I love you I thank you Jesus for your presence that's here God in your anointing that's here God I pray that you anoint our ears to hear what you want us To hear God, anoint my mouth to say what you want me to say, God. I pray in your name. Speak to us in Jesus' name, God. Draw us closer and further into your presence. I pray in Jesus' name. Let your will be done in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated if you want. The presence of God, part one. He waited, he waited a whole Year for this moment, he was excited for this moment. He could hardly wait. He was the only one in the whole country that got to do what he was going to do. He was special. This moment was special. This time was special. He was chosen to do this, and he made sure that everything went perfectly. He made sure that everything went smoothly. He was excited. It was a special event, a special moment. He spent time examining everything, making sure his clothes were right, making sure um, all the ceremonies were all lined up to be done perfectly, making sure the rituals were done, they practiced, make sure everything got down pat, everything was down to a T or whatever you want to say. Everything was lined up perfectly. But there was one question, one serious question, a scary question, would he make it out alive? The suspense is killing you, I can tell. So dramatic. This man is the Hebrew high priest. And once a year, he got to go into the Holy of Holies. Once a year, he got to um, take the blood of atonement, atonement, atonement into the Holy of Holies. Levi, oh my word, I can't talk at all. Leviticus, oh my word. 16, this is going to be a good day. 15 to 16 says... Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil. And to do that, to do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place. Because the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. Basically. With all those big words. This guy got to go into the holy place. The holy of holies. And nobody else was. And he brought the blood of the sacrifice. And presented it to God. And that's where God decided. If he accepted the sacrifice or not. So inside the holy of holies. Was the ark of the covenant. Hold on here. Forgive me. Inside of the holy of holies. The Ark of the Covenant was. And in the Ark of the Covenant, there was Aaron's rod that budded. There was some manna and the Ten Commandments. And on top of the Ark was covered in gold. And there were two angels. Um, Their wings were stretched together like this. Facing each other. And in between is what we call, or what God called, the mercy seat. God said um, in Exodus 25 and 22... He said, and there I will meet with thee and will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims that are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. God said, this is where I'm going to meet with you, at this place between these two angels, this mercy seat is where I'm going to meet with you. That's where the presence of God chose to live. It's where the presence of God chose to rest or to stay. And tradition says that in the Holy of Holies, there was no light. There was no No candles. Um, Thomas Edison hadn't been alive yet. So there were no light bulbs. There there was nothing to light it except the presence of God. The presence of God lit up the room. And one time, once a year, the high priest got to go in. And it wasn't something that was taken lightly. It wasn't something that was a joke. It was a very serious thing. Everything had to be just right. Everything had to be according to the law, word for word. He couldn't put his own interpretation on it, he couldn't put his own spin on it, no variations from the law of what God said, because if something was wrong, and something didn't go the way it was supposed to, if you forgot something, you could be killed. Pretty serious, <coughs> serious things. The presence of God is not something that can be taken or should be taken lightly. The presence of God is not something that we should take for granted. It's an awesome place to be. It's awesome to be in the presence of God, to stand in the presence of God. A sinner in the presence of God will feel the love of God because God is love. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God came, or Jesus came, to show love. When you get in the presence of God, you feel love. So someone can walk in and just feel at home. Someone can walk in and feel like they belong someplace they've never been before. Sure, sin is confronted, but you don't feel condemned in the presence of God. You might feel convicted that you need to change things, but you don't feel um, condemned. Because love is the essence of the presence of God. Believers, that's something... As Christians, something that we can experience every day or every time we get together. Matthew 18 and 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. It only takes a couple of us and God is in the middle of us. It does not You don't need 5,000 people. You don't need all these numbers. You just need a couple of people. You can just be in the presence of God by yourself. Um, and the, we get into his presence. It draws us closer to Him, and it draws us closer to each other. Have you, ever been, have you ever been, sorry, I can't put words together, have you ever been in a service where the presence of God just falls and settles, and it's just amazing and wonderful, and all of a sudden you just feel like, maybe I should forgive that person. Maybe I should just go to that person and say, well, I'm sorry for what I did. Has that ever happened to anybody? There's something about being in the presence of God that just draws us together you know a church that is having a move of god they're they're, they draw together they bind together because there's that love and that forgiveness and all that stuff that we need in the presence of god or if you're in a a worship service where you know worship overflows and it kind of lingers you know preaching's all done altar calls done but then there's there's something there you just don't want to leave you don't want to go home you just want to stay in the presence of God until the person playing the piano can't play the piano anymore. or You know, in St. John, growing up, uh, they, we would just have these altar services, altar calls, and we'd go for an hour or two, three sometimes, and the singers would just be done, and they would just walk off, and the musicians would just keep jamming and just keep playing, and we would just keep praying, and it was just, it was, it was something you didn't want to leave. When you get in the presence of God, you just don't want to leave you don't want to run at the door you just can't get enough and God's presence is awesome it's a great place to be and that's what our goal is whenever we get together is to get into his presence Israel saw the glory Israel saw the the visible manifestation the visible presence of God and and Leviticus 9 and 24 we got that it says and there came a fire from fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw they showed it and fell on their faces. The presence of God was just so amazing to them they just they just fell on their faces. They didn't know what to do like ah and they fell on their faces. <clears throat> and um, second, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes God just steps in and all you can do is just bow and worship. Sometimes this happens. And 2 Chronicles 7, 1-3, there's a story where they dedicated Solomon's temple. And the presence of God was in the temple so strong that the priests, they couldn't even minister. They took all their strength just to stand. They couldn't do anything. It was so powerful. And sometimes the presence of God is like that. You just can't even, you just, you, don't, you can't think of anything to say. You can't think of anything to sing. You just, it's just amazing. And you just, there's nothing you can do. You're just basking in his presence Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 to 8 tells a story about Isaiah and he he sees God high and lifted up and he sees the angels worshiping and all all they they're doing is just shouting holy 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 And God's majesty fills the temple and Isaiah reacted and he said woe is me because he realized that he was a sinner he realized that everybody he lived with you know wasn't living up to where, where they should And you realize how holy God is and realize how holy we aren't. And God said to him in this vision, he said, Whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, send me. And sometimes when we're in the presence of God, we realize how big he is. Every time we realize how wonderful he is and how small we really are. And sometimes when we're in the presence of God, God will call us. Call us to do something. Call us to go somewhere. Call us to... Do, you know, be something else for him. Be more for him. Um, John had a revelation in Revelation 1, or uh, verse 9 to 20. He sees the presence of God in a vision. And God or sees... Hold on. He gets into the presence of God, and he sees a vision. And sometimes when we're in the presence of God, he'll give us vision. Sometimes he'll call us. Sometimes he'll give us vision. Sometimes we'll just feel... Like you can't do anything. You just bask in his presence. But whenever we're in the presence of God, something happens. And so what sets Pentecostal worship apart? I know we we like to talk about how we worship, how it's different than everybody else. You know, growing up, that's all we ever heard. How, you know, we we only, I don't know, whatever, whatever word you want to use. But what sets us apart? Is it the music? Is it, is it the clapping? Is it the, the tapping on the feet? We used to have choirs. Um, in our church, Just everybody came to hear the choir. It was a big deal back in the 90s. Nobody really seems to care anymore about choirs, but that was the big thing. And people would come for that and you know the choir's moving. And Is it the choir? Is it the clapping? Is it you know, tapping on the feet? Is it the singing? Is it, is it the way we worship? Is it the shouting? Is it the, the dancing? The jumping? The crying? Is it... Is it the emotional response that happens? What, what is it that sets us apart? What is it that sets our worship apart? What it is, is a recognition of the presence of God. What sets our worship apart, what sets our services apart, is the presence of God and our reaction to it, our recognition of the presence of God. What is the point of dancing? What is the point of Singing or shouting if you don't recognize his presence. What is the point of doing all these things? There's no awareness of the presence of God. There's no awareness of him stepping in and moving. Then there's no point. Worship is us reacting to his presence. We do these things and God steps in. But if we don't respond to him, what are we doing? You you can dance and shout and sing. People do that all over the world. Dance, shout, and sing. Get people excited, but nothing happens. Nobody gets changed. You go to Taylor Swift concert. There's all that going on there. Nobody's getting their lives changed. Right? Right. It's what... Anybody can dance. Anybody can shout. Well, not anybody can dance. (laughs) Anybody can try to dance. Anybody can try to sing. Anybody can try to shout. But without it, you, you might get people excited, but... Without the presence of God, that's all it is—just excitement. Yeah. I've been to a hockey game, NHL game, pumped. It's exciting, but nobody's lives are getting changed. Amen. Everybody's shouting, everybody's, everybody's singing. The game I went to anyway, the team that I like—you won't mention them—but everyone's excited, but lives weren't being changed. Anybody can shout, anybody can sing, anybody can dance, but lives aren't changed. It's when we worship, we give it to God, and we respond to His presence. That's what changes lives. That's what makes our worship, and that's what makes our services different. and sets us apart. When God touches something, it will change. He spoke into a world of chaos in Genesis chapter 1, and order came from it. He touched an old man and made him a father of many nations. He Found a fleeing murderer on the lamb, Moses. And he spoke to him. He came in contact with him. He made him a leader of a nation. He found a shepherd and made him a king. He touched the blind and made them see. He touched the deaf and made them hear. He touched the lame and made them walk the sick and made them whole. He touched the dead and raised them back to life. When God touches something, it will change. When we get in the presence of God, we will change. Lives will change. God moves on people, when God moves on people, they will be changed. When God moves on an addict, he will be delivered. When God moves on somebody that's bound by alcohol, they will be set free. When God moves on somebody that's promiscuous, their lives will be changed. When God moves on somebody that their marriage is in shambles, It can be mended. When God moves on a broken heart, it can be made whole. When God moves on somebody who feels like they don't fit in, they can find a place where they belong. When God moves on people, lives are changed. When we get in the presence of God, our lives can be changed. Anyone's life can be changed. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's not our singing, it's not our clapping, it's not our dancing. It's where the Spirit of the Lord is. That's where the freedom is. Yes, amen. And the presence of God. Yes. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He is more than we need. Amen. More than we can ask. More than we can yes. think. Yes. Yes. Dr. Zeus has a book on the things you can yes. think. You can think of all these things, but God can do more than anything that we can think. Which is pretty incredible, because some of us have very good imaginations. But God can do more than that. He's more than we need. When we get into his presence, it's so big, it's so deep, it's so wide, like we sing in Sunday school. So deep, so wide, whatever. His presence, I forgot the song. His presence is so much. There's so many things that can happen. And yet, yeah, we could spend all day talking about it. All the things that can happen in the presence of God. In the beginning, God created man. And his goal, his purpose, he wanted to commune with him. And the Garden of Eden wasn't made just for Adam and Eve, but it was made for God, too, to meet with them. The Bible says that he was with them in the cool of the day and spoke with them. And Adam was able to stand in the pure, undiluted glory of God. But, and nothing, nothing would come between them until until sin, until Adam sinned. And sin ruined this relationship. But it didn't change God's desire. God still wanted that relationship with humankind, or peoplekind, or mankind, whatever you want to say. God still wanted that relationship. And God... He told Moses to build a tabernacle or a sanctuary where he would live among them. And then he filled the tabernacle with his presence. And then they built a temple and he filled the temple with his presence and he lived among his people. But it was very limited. It was still a once a year thing we talked about at the beginning and the high priest would come in. But still he wanted, he wanted more contact. He wanted full contact and relationship with his people. So God moved to a new house. And his name was Jesus. And John chapter 1 tells a story about how he became flesh. But he no longer lived in a tent. He was no longer in that the little mercy seat. He was no longer in the Holy of Holies where one person could come in. He was now, he now became like, like man. And he, he had to shroud his glory because according to, hold on here, Exodus 33 and 20. Man. I lost it. According to that verse, if we are in the full presence of God, we will die. It's too it's too much, it's too strong. And God wants us to commune with him. God wants a relationship with us. God wants a relationship with you where the glory of God and his presence doesn't need to be covered, doesn't need to be shrouded. And one day that will come to pass. Revelation twenty one and three says, And I heard a great voice of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. There's coming a day when we will be able to stand in his presence completely undiluted, unshrouded, just the pure presence of God and that's heaven. That's what God's goal is, to bring us there. But until then, we can still enjoy, enjoy the abiding presence of God. God's presence in our lives. Jesus wants to live in our heart. The Holy Ghost is God's presence in our lives. First Corinthians 3:16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. The presence of God can dwell in our lives. The presence of God can be in your home, the presence of God can be in your car, at your, at your job, wherever you are. The presence of God is with you, and it's not just for salvation, but it's also for empowerment and strength. Because without it, how can we change the world? Without it, how are we changed? We said you can sing, you can dance, you can do whatever you want, but without the presence of God, nothing changes. Without the presence of God, lives aren't changed. And if God's presence changes things, then it should be changing us too. We should always be growing. We should always be changing and moving forward with Him. Jesus wants, wanted to continue on His earthly ministry. Um, John 14, verse 15 to 18 says If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you i will not leave you comfortless i will come to you so god gave us his spirit god gave us the comforter to be with us yes Amen. to keep this thing rolling he said if you love me keep my commandments and i will help you if you want you know follow me and I will help you and I will be with you and my presence will be with you to help you do all these things. Yeah. And he, he wants and he intended for his spirit to be a, an abiding presence in our lives. And it's more than just speaking in tongues. You know, that's the initial sign, but it's not the only way to tell if somebody's living um, for Jesus or with Jesus. You know, I believe in it. Don't misquote me. I believe... You need to speak in tongues, I believe, and the filling of the Holy Ghost. But there's other things that show us how somebody's living for God. A lot of people, you know, get the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues, and then just walk away, right? Right. And they don't let it change them. And just because you you held hands with somebody 15 years ago doesn't mean you still have a relationship with them. Right? You can have that experience, but if you don't continue in that relationship, then you're missing out. We need to let the presence of God continue in our lives and yes. Yes. continue to change us. To have or to keep that relationship with Jesus is um, its a lifestyle of obedience to the word of God and to the spirit of God. And keep him number one. That's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Worship. Keeping God number one. Keeping him the first Priority in our lives. If we want the presence of God to be with us and continue to, to use us and continue to mold us and continue to draw us closer to Him and further with Him, then we need to keep Him number one. Amen. Right? Amen. So if we don't, then something else is number one. And something else is taking top priority. And something else is molding us. And something else is shaping our lives. Right. But if we keep God number one, then. Hallelujah. Will be okay. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How do you know if somebody has that kind of relationship with God? How do you know if somebody has that presence of God in their life? Because they'll be obeying the Word of God. They'll be doing what Jesus said or what Jesus taught. And they'll be active in fulfilling Jesus' ministry on earth. John 14 and 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Yeah. Jesus said there's more things. Jesus did a lot of cool stuff. A lot of miracles. A lot of things happened. A lot of yeah. people followed him. A lot of, a lot of things went on. Yeah. But he said there's more that you're going to do yeah. okay. than what I did. Great, Jesus. did. And if you are, you know, you have that presence of God in your life, then you'll be doing these things. These things will be following. These signs will follow them that believe. If we have the presence of God in our services, in our homes, then people will be healed. People will be delivered. People's lives will be changed because of that presence. You can't come in contact with the presence of God and not be changed. The only way to do that, the only way to do what Jesus said, to see these other things happen, is to have his presence in our lives. And we need the presence of God. In our lives, we need it Amen. in our services. We need it in our homes. We need it when we're on the job, oh, yeah. especially when we're on the job. Amen. We need the presence of God with us. Yes. We can have the music come back. Yes. If our goal <clears throat> is to change the world, change the lives around us, change our families, we can't do it without the presence of God. Amen. We need Him. We can only do so much. We can have you know, fun days. We can do things. We can invite people. But if the presence of God isn't with us, then we're just Amen. another group. We're just another charity. We're just another bunch of people gathering together. Without the presence of God, we really don't have anything life-changing. We really don't have anything that's going to make a difference. The most important thing should be the presence of God. That's why we worship. That's why we praise. That's why we pray. That's why we we enter in and we lay our, you know, lay our stuff at the feet of Jesus and focus on Him, so that presence can come in. Because one moment in the presence of God can undo years of Amen. results of sin, years of results of, of hurt and abuse. And one presence in the or one moment in the presence of God can take all that pain away. One moment can take somebody that's addicted and. Deliver them. One moment can take somebody that has a broken heart and heal it. One moment can can change your life forever. One moment in the presence of God can do more than a hundred years of working with somebody. Amen. We need the presence of God in our lives. Hallelujah. Anything else we do is just temporary. Anything else we do won't last. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If we're working for God, if we're working with God, and have the presence of God with us, what we do isn't in vain. What we do will last. What we do will leave an impact. A lasting impact. God. We can't do much. Without the presence of God. whether the presence of God, services are dead and dry. Without the presence of God, prayer is lifeless. Prayer is powerless. Prayers go unanswered. Within the presence of God. But with the presence of God, there is power. Amen. Lives are changed. People are healed. People are delivered. People are, are moved. People are called. Pray, and it's awesome. We need it. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it without Jesus. We're just a club, just a group of pals coming together once or twice or three times a week, depending on how we times you come. That's all we are without the presence of God. Amen. Let's all stand, please. Stand, sorry. So how how do we get into the presence of God? How do we do it? I think you already know. The Bible says in Psalm 22 and 3, it says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. The praises of his people. God inhabits the praise of his people. If we want the presence of God in our lives, if we want the presence of God in our services, we need to praise. We need to worship. Prayer, praise, and worship bring the presence of God. And that's what we've been talking about, living a life of worship. If you live a life dedicated to God and keep God number one and worship Him, His presence is going to be with you wherever you go. His presence is going to follow you. Things are going to happen. Lives are going to be changed. The apostles, you know, that's what they did. They worshiped. They praised. They were in jail and they sang praises. And things happened. Doors were open. They walked by people and their shadows touched them and they were healed. And that's just amazing. They were taking parts of Paul's clothes and sending it out places, and people were healed. People were delivered because the presence of God was with them. Because they lived a life of worship. They lived a life dedicated to God. And So we're going to take some time this morning. We're just going to just praise God. We're just worship God. And we've been talking over the last few weeks but. We need God to move in our lives. We need God to do something in our lives. We need God to touch us. And that's not going to happen without the presence of God. So we need to take some time this morning and just worship Him and just praise Him and let the presence of God come in and move. And then whatever you need can happen. Whatever you need to take place can take place. If you have a hurt in your heart, if if you feel like your heart's been broken, He can heal that. If you feel like need a healing in your body, that can happen, but we need the presence of God first in order for that to happen. So let's just take some time this morning and just worship Him in Jesus' name. you want to come up to the front, you can do it. If you want to stay in your seat, whatever you want to do, just worship Him together in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God, I worship you, Jesus.